Sit down if you can sit down. Amen. I told him in the early one, I'm not going to say anything about how great Emily was. But I'll tell you that Evan married way yonder over his head. Amen. <laughs> we appreciate Evan and Emily. They work with our college kids, and uh, they're doing a tremendous job. I praise the Lord for them and their faithfulness. Beautiful, beautiful. whole service is beautiful. Praise the Lord. Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 11. Let's talk about Jesus. Matthew chapter 11. And as we're turning there, I'd like to say also a thank you to... Uh, Jason, Brother Jason, uh, you don't see him much now. We've, he's revamped everything on live stream, if you're watching by live stream. And he has these young guys, uh, the young people, uh, running these cameras all over the place here. And uh, if you've never seen, uh, oh, there's one back there. If, you, if, you've <laughs> if you've not watched live stream, you ought to watch it. It's a first-class thing. It's beautiful and wonderful. Everything is ironing out. It's been a long haul. And a lot of uh, frustrations uh, on everybody's part because equipment doesn't do what it's supposed to do. It's kind of like people sometimes. And, uh, but uh, I think we've about got the kinks out of it, and it's looking good. In Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. Matthew 11, verse 1, it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples. He departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Father, thank you this morning how we have been blessed and blessed and blessed. And I pray right now, Lord, your Holy Spirit would continue to work in this building, bind Satan from this place. He doesn't have anything to do. Anybody in this place, may we hear nothing but you, the power of the Holy Spirit in this place today. God, we need you more than we've ever needed you before in these times. Lord, help us. Help a revival to begin right here in this place today. We'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Christianity is a miraculous work. It's supernatural. It's not the mystic, whoa, 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 what stuff is, but it's supernatural. Jesus was God in the flesh. Deity became flesh. That's supernatural. That's not naturally to happen. And every day, Jesus, as he walked on this earth, did miracles. Verse 2 says that when John heard in the prison the works of Christ, you look that word works up in the Greek, and he's talking about the miracles of Christ. When John heard the miracles of Christ, all of the Gospels record the miracles of Christ. Uh, Matthew, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all of them, some of them contain all of the miracles, some part of the miracles. Uh, but the, the miracles are in the Gospels there. <laughs> now, I, this group this morning in this service, I don't know whether it's going to be good or bad. I got way under too much material. And I, I, I preached over in every one. And I left out about half of it. So 
I could leave it out and try to do better, or I could just let it all rip and we'd be here at about one o'clock. But I'll, we'll, we'll adjust, amen? If I see you getting uneasy, I'll quit, all right? Hey, just two things this morning, and that's it. Number one is this. There is a very disturbing question here in Matthew chapter 11. It is very disturbing. I mean, John is in prison. He sent two disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one that is the Messiah, or are we to look for somebody else? Now, he's got some doubts here. John. We're not talking about John the Apostle. We're not talking about John the uh, brother of James. We're talking about John the Baptist. He's got some doubts in the back of his mind. He's got some things that are not clear. He's got some things that are bothering him in his mind. John the Baptist was prophesied in Isaiah and the book of Malachi. He was to be a forerunner of the Messiah. His ministry was effective. They, they, they turned out in big crowds. The Bible says when Mary went to visit Elizabeth, that when she was carrying Jesus and, and Elizabeth was carrying John the Baptist, when Mary walked in, the Bible says that John the Baptist leapt in her womb. We're, we're talking about that John the Baptist. Luke chapter 1 says that John was filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb. His ministry was in open air, and then he preached, uh, Jesus saves. Hell is hot, heaven is sweet, and Jesus saves. I mean, he preached hard. It wasn't a coaching event. He didn't read poetry. He didn't read uh, about television. He read and, and preached the Word of God. He prophesied. His dad was told by an angel that John would be the forerunner of Jesus, the Messiah. He saw the blessing of God on his ministry. Thousands of people were saved. Thousands of people repented and were baptized. John was baptizing them in the Jordan River unto repentance. And he looks up one day, and here comes Jesus. Jesus said, I'm here to be baptized. And John said, oh, no, you got this wrong. I don't need to be baptizing you. You need to be baptizing me. And Jesus said, no, that's not what the prophets said. That's not what the Word of God says. So he baptized. Can you imagine John in, in the book of Luke? Or, or uh, Yeah, the book of Luke it was, I think. Luke says that as John baptized Jesus, the Bible says Jesus in Luke was praying. Our Savior praying. He, he, John had the hands on Jesus, the Savior of the world as he baptized him, as he brought him up. The heavens opened up. The dove flew through representing the Holy Spirit. And the sound from heaven came, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. That's the John we're talking about. And then in John 1, he begins to preach. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. When he's saying that, he's saying this is the one who's going to die on Calvary for your sins. This is the one who is going to be the substitute to carry you from your sinful nation and the wrath of God into the very presence of God. This is the one that is going to shed his blood so that you can be saved. It's going to wash your sins away. But now, now, he got two disciples. And he said, go ask Jesus, are you the one? Or are we to look for somebody else? Now, 
commentaries tell different things. Some of them don't ever want you to think that a leader is weak. They don't want to show the weakness of a leader. But I want to tell you something, folks. I'm considered a leader. I'm the pastor of this church. And I want to tell you, I put my bridges on one leg at a time just like you do yours. Leaders have weaknesses. Leaders have strengths. Leaders do things and people don't understand. Hopefully we're doing them in the power of the Holy Spirit, praying to God. And, and then some commentators just said he really wasn't doubting. What he was doing was wanting to send his disciples over there so that they would not doubt. The Greek word for that is hogwash. <laughs> the, the, it, it, he was doubting. He was doubting. He's the one who said, I must decrease and he must increase. Less of me, more of him. My crowd's going to get smaller. His crowd's going to get larger. He's down, if I figure it right, to two disciples. And he sends them over to Jesus. Now, let me also cover this. Some people will say that no Christian will ever doubt. If you've doubted, you just need to get your heart right with God. You're wrong. I disagree. He is doubting here, and I'm telling you, people can doubt. Doubting is not a sin. Now, listen to me. People get this all confused of doubting and unbelief. Doubting is in the mind. Unbelief is in the heart. Doubting is, 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 is your mind is just not focused and, and you're not sure you're doubting. But unbelief from the heart is evil. And I, I want to tell you there's some glorious things here, some great truths here. Uh, uh, but but the, the devil will mess with your mind. He'll do everything he can to get your mind confused. You're going to be constantly uh, confronted with the devil, with circumstances, with trials, with tribulation. That's what's happening to John. Doubt comes. The main reason doubt comes is because you're in a situation where you need God and you pray he'll come and he don't show up. And then the devil whispers, you think God really cares for you? I mean, you, you really think that God... Listen, and then I hear people who are mad at God. Bless God. Mm. He's the last one we need to be mad at. Good gracious. John's in prison. He's in the middle of a desert. You know what kind of guy John was. He didn't need no air mattress or no pup tent. He didn't travel in a Winnebago. That dude could sleep standing straight up against a sycamore tree. He was tough. He, he, he didn't need all of those things. And yet now he's in prison and he's looking at four walls. He's been used to being roaming around. This happens a lot to senior adults. Trust me. I mean, you're used to doing whatever you wanted to do and circumstances have come on and and you're not as strong as you used to be, and you can't breathe like you used to breathe, and you can't get out and run anymore like you used to run. You're confined. The devil whispers in your ear. You know, nobody really cares about you. You know the number one group today 
that are in this situation in America today, the number one just came out, Lifeway just did it, Barna did the same research, is young women who've just had children. Postpartum and all that stuff, that, that's a real thing. You, I mean, you, you young women have been able to go footloose and fancy free. You've had slushes and blizzards and, you know, coffee and, you know, paid $8 a cup for a cup of coffee and all that. You've had life at good. And all of a sudden that baby comes and you're, you're excited. Everybody's excited about that baby. But boy, when mama goes home, and I don't know, some of y'all may have been blessed to have your mother-in-law there, and some of y'all may have been blessed not to have her there. I'm not, I'm not sure. But when everybody goes home and there's nobody left but you and suddenly gets in a routine and suddenly there's just feeding and then changing diapers, somebody here ought to shout praise the Lord for throwaway diapers. Some of you here know what it's like to wash them things every day. Hang them out on the line to, to dry. My soul. And then the questions these kids ask over and over again. And if you see one more program of Paw Patrol, you're going to pull your hair out. And if you're not careful, listen to me, Mama. If you're not careful, the devil will mess with your mind. He'll say, all oh, your other friends out here having a good time. I want to tell you, he'll mess with your mind. John knew the Old Testament. He said, I've come to set the captives free. I've come to free the prisoners. Why isn't he setting me free? John is in jail because he never learned how to keep his mouth shut. He, he, just, he, he, could, he could probably keep it shut if it was things were going good. But if sin was there, John's going to bring it out. He's going to tell you what the Bible says. And he walked up one day, met the king, and he didn't say, hail king or anything. He said, I want to tell you something, king. You stole your brother's wife. You broke up their home. You broke up their marriage. God ain't happy. He got hacked off. But you know who got hacked off worse than him? His, his wife. The vengeance of a... Uh, uh, she was mad. She's going to end up getting his head on a platter. Yeah? And all he had done was just preach the truth. I did what God called me to do, and I'm sitting in there in jail, and Jesus is supposed to set me free. How come I'm not free? He didn't understand Jesus was talking about spiritual, people who are captives of sin, when they repent, they're set free. If you're here this morning, you've never been saved. You're a captive. You're in bondage to sin. And the very thing you think you're enjoying and can't give up is the very thing that's going to be a rope around your neck. Devil's messing with your mind. Faith has retreated. Fear has taken over. And your mind's messed up with doubt. I mean, you know you're going to heaven. You know that. You've been saved by the blood of the Lamb. You, you know you've been saved. Now listen. The doubting comes with whether or not God can take care of the situation you're in. Is he really big enough to take care of the situation? And the devil whispers there in your mind, are you sure God really cares? And, and then, bless God, mm, when the doubt is there and he's about got you whipped down, then he throws the guilt on top of that. 
He said, the nerve of you for wanting to sing in the choir after the way you are? I can't believe you'd even want to go to life group, let alone lead one of them. Wow. And he just continually tears you down and and, and the doubt's building up and the guilt's coming on and it affects our minds and our attitudes, our, our spirit, even it affects our physical life. Maybe you're sitting here today with doubt and with guilt. I got some good news for you. Some good news. Let me give it to you. Number one is this. When you doubt, you don't lose Jesus. You lose your joy. When you doubt, you don't lose Jesus. You're sealed to the day of redemption. Ain't nobody going to touch your salvation. When you've been saved, washed in the blood of the Lamb, you're sealed to the day. You don't lose Jesus when you doubt. You just lose your joy. Verse 6 says, Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in thee. That, that, that word blessed is a Greek word divinely happy. Divinely happy. If you're, if you're not doubting the Lord. You keep going when life doesn't make sense, and I'll tell you, there'll be, there'll, there's going to be that joy there. But you stop and you let doubt begin to mess with your mind, and you let doubt come in, you let doubt take over, you're going to lose your divine happiness. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? You quit looking around and start looking up. That's what you do. Get your eyes off of man. Get your eyes on God. You decide that you're not going to believe your circumstances anymore, but you're going to believe the Word of God because the Word of God is truth. It's the only truth we've got. So when you doubt, you don't lose Jesus. You lose your joy, and that joy can be restored. But the second thing is when you doubt, I love this. I wish we was Pentecostal. Bless God. Somebody would have done taken off. Amen. He's not going to condemn you. He's not going to condemn you. Oh, yes, you are. When you doubt, he condemns. No, he don't. No, he don't. I love the rest of the story. We don't have time to read it. But John sends his disciples. They go over there to Jesus, and they say, Look, John is over there in jail, and he sent us to find out if you're the one or if we're to look for another one. Jesus said, I want you to go tell him. You go tell him not what I'm claiming. You go tell him what I'm doing. Whew. Would to God we had a few churches that was doing more than they claimed they was doing. Because I'm afraid we got a bunch of us that are claiming a lot of things that we're not doing. You go tell John not what I'm saying, but what you see happening. And basically what he's saying here is to him and John and us too. Even though you can't see Jesus working, he's still working. Even though you don't feel him working, he's still working. You go tell John, I'm still on the throne and just keep trusting me. And, and then they, they leave. They go back to tell John. Now, we're talking John the Baptist. They would have given Jesus every right to say, what a shame. Well, we had a lot vested in John. What a shame. <laughs> we, good grief. You're talking about a faithless hypocrite. 
you talking about a royal dud? I mean, he's a dud. That's not what he said. I don't have time to read it. He turns around and he said, boys, let me tell you something about John. I'm sure they perked up, ears perked up. Don't we love to hear something juicy? <laughs> I mean, oh, them guys just done been there and say, oh, John's got this big doubt and all this stuff going on. And Jesus said, let me tell you something about John. I'm sure they're getting ready to hear a story. And Jesus looked at him and said, out of every man that's been born to woman, there's not a greater man than John the Baptist. Uh-uh. He just got through saying they doubted. He doubted. Jesus said, I'm telling you, out of every man that's been born, there's not a greater man than John the Baptist. Listen to me this morning. Jesus didn't come up in here to condemn you. He came up here to lift you up. He came up here to save you. He came up here to restore your salvation, to restore your joy. He didn't come to knock you down. And he, he, he came to lift you up. You, you, you ain't listening to me because you still... Anybody down here know that Jesus can still do things, lift you up and meet your need? Anybody down here know that? How about under the balcony? I can't see y'all real good. That's usually the ones that are asleep. Does anybody back there know that Jesus can do anything? Huh? How about on this side? Y'all know Jesus can do it. How about on this side over here? Amen. How about in the balcony? Do y'all know Jesus is still real? I mean, the scripture is plain that on that day, the dead in Christ shall rise, and those in the balcony and those of us who are left shall be caught up to meet him in the air. Amen. You better go back and read that scripture. Some of y'all didn't get that. You just didn't get that. I'm telling you, he loves you. He's not condemning you. He wants to lift you up. One of the worst things about getting old is falling. You know, these crazy people, you know, I, you do whatever you want to do. When I go to the doctor and they fill out them forms, they say, how many times have you fallen? Ain't none of your business how many times I've fallen. <laughs> I can tell you this, every time I fell, I got up. But physically, when you fall, I've had some pretty good falls. <laughs> and, and what a blessing for somebody to reach down and pick you up and help you up. That's a blessing. Oh, whew. can you think when you've as low as you can get and you've got doubts and you're frustrated and you don't think nobody cares and nobody loves you? And the hand of Jesus reaches down and grabs a hold of you, and he picks you up. Woo! Glory to God. He, he don't condemn you. He don't say, you idiot, you shouldn't have done that. He restores you. It's the kind of God we've got. i got to get on to number two. It's 1150. There's a question here. But the second thing that's here. There's an answer here. Why are these miracles happening? I'm just going to have to abbreviate because I'm out of time. Verse 5 says that the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. That's some kind of day in the life of Jesus. Miracles have a fourfold purpose in the Word of God. And you, you got to be able to understand this, uh, you know. And I don't have time to explain all of it. Uh, 
the first thing miracles are for is to credit the ministry of Jesus, to validate the ministry of Jesus. Jesus is deity in the flesh. And his miracles validate that no one else can do this. Now, listen to me. I'm not, I, I've had the crud for three weeks. I've still got something in my throat. It, it won't get out. I don't know what it is. Uh, and, and I've taken medicine, and I've prayed, and you've prayed, and all of those things help. But I want to tell you, God has not done a miracle to clear my throat. It's been medicine and doctors and prayer, and I believe in all those things. These miracles here are not some headache that somebody had and say, oh, well, God, heal me from my headache. These are miracles that you can't do. These are miracles that are only supernatural. These are miracles that no man outside of God can do. When you're talking about the blind receive their sight, here's a guy that 20, 30 years been taking him out to a, a, a corner there and he sits there and he begs and he's blind. Jesus walks by, puts a little mud on his eyes, said, go down to Pulis alone, wash them off. Suddenly he can see. Now, people in town have met that guy down there day after day after day. They put money in his little pocket every day. Some of them, maybe not every day, but, but occasionally. And now suddenly, he can see. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. The, the lame are made to walk. You, you, you're, you're crippled and you can't walk. But Jesus touched him and healed him. In fact, he told the guy on the side of the road, Pick up your bed and go on home. Can you imagine what happened when that guy went, went into the house and knocked on the front door? And they opened that door, and there their daddy was standing there at that door. Well, how'd you get here? Well, I walked. You can't walk. Oh, yeah, when Jesus comes in and does a miracle, you can. You can. The lepers are cleansed. Those are the ones that had to stay outside saying, unclean, unclean, unclean. Jesus healed them. The deaf can hear. The dead are raised up. You can't do that. We're talking about Lazarus. We're talking about Jairus' daughter. You, it's not humanly possible to do that. This is a miracle of God. And it proves that Jesus is real. And then the poor have the gospel preached to them. That's another miracle of God. Only God can do that. The second reason these miracles are here is they give us a foretaste of the kingdom to come. God's kingdom is glorious. <laughs> it's going to come. It's going to come. Hurricanes, my, my, my. Tornadoes, those folk in Mississippi and other tornadoes, they've been hitting all summer long, all uh, spring long. Cancer, terrorism. Alzheimer's, famine. You say, preacher, why do we have all this? If God was so good, why do we have all this? Because God put a curse on the earth. When Adam and Eve chose that they were going to eat of the free tree that God told them not to eat on, they had a choice. You'd have made the same choice. I'd have made the same choice. We're all sinners. But I want to tell you, they're coming today. When they're not going to be no more blind. And there's not going to be no more lame. And there's not going to be any more lepers. And there's not going to be any more deaf people. And there's not going to be any dead people. And there's not going to be no devil to have to deal with. 
when, when he splits that eastern sky and comes in, I want to tell you something right now. His kingdom is going to come here on earth just like he said it was. And it doesn't matter who the president is. It doesn't matter who the prime minister of Israel is. None of that makes any difference. When his timetable clicks off and the alarm goes off, Christ's kingdom is coming and nothing's going to stop it. You say, well, what about the Antichrist? Why are you worried about the Antichrist when you know the Christ? I don't need to buy potted meat and bury it in the backyard. I've got Jesus. And I want to tell you something. If he can send ravens, to, to feed Elijah out here at a brook in the woods. He can send a one-eyed buzzard to my house and drop food off. You just got to believe Jesus. You got to trust him. The king is coming. And when he comes, armies are going to be wiped out. He's going to sit on the royal throne. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. No sin, no sickness, no disease ever again. Those miracles give us a foretaste of what we're going to have one day. And then thirdly, quickly, he performed miracles because he cares. He cared. John, when he was looking at Lazarus, the Bible says he wept. He had a desire, a desire to, to help people when he walked through life. Hebrews 13, 8 says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still cares today. He still loves you today. He takes care of you. Let me hurry. It illustrates the power of his gospel. The poor, the outcast, no one cares for them. He performs the miracles, and it's really a beautiful example of the gospel when you look at the miracles. Uh, the first one was uh, uh, he, he, they received their sight. Did you know when you don't have Jesus Christ, you're blind? The Bible says the God of this world, Satan, has blinded his people. But when you get Jesus, suddenly you can see. The lame, they're able to walk. Listen, when we're without Christ, we walk in all different directions. We get in things we ain't got no business getting in. But when you get saved and the Holy Spirit comes on you, he directs your paths. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. You realize that if you're here this morning without Jesus, you're not going to die one day. You're dead already. Dead, dead, dead. Mm. But oh, when you let Christ take over, he breathes life into you. Suddenly you're alive through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he said the poor receive the gospel. Wow, he does the impossible. It illustrates the power of the gospel. Let me just give you two things and I'm through. Number one is this. God's power is sovereign. He's still able to do whatever he wants to do this morning. He can use you. He can do divine miracles. He can do anything you want. God is sovereign. He'll do what he wants to do. But the second thing that's evident here is his love is absolute. His love is absolute. There's nothing you can do to get God to love you more than he loves you right now. If you're here this morning, you came into this place this morning with a lot of uh, doubts and fears and 
no hope and lonely and abandoned, saying, where in the world is God? The good news is he's here waiting on you. You could be saved this morning. Could I tell you that Jesus is a way maker? <laughs> Even when you don't see him working, he's working. Even when you don't feel him working, he's working. He's a way maker. And he's here this morning. He wants to make a way for some of you to be saved. Today's the day of salvation. You really, honestly, don't need to put this off any longer. If the Holy Spirit's knocking at your heart's door, you ought to be saved this morning, today. You say, well, how do I know it's the Holy Spirit? I'll promise you one thing. The devil is the last one that makes you want to be saved. I'll guarantee you that. You don't have to worry about that. It ain't devil. It's the Holy Spirit. Maybe this morning you just need to come and pray at this altar. Man, I, you know, we're not going to get revival until people get back on their knees on the altar. It's going to be altered. There are going to be tears. They're, they're gonna, we're we're going to be crying out. Maybe this morning you need to come and join this church. You've prayed about it, and the Holy Spirit's already told you what to do. You just need to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Lord, this is your time. This is the time we've been praying for. It's the time we've sang for. It's the time we've given for. It's the time we've testified for. It's the time we've preached for. And I pray right now, in the stillness of the moment, that your spirit would touch lives and that before it's everlasting too late, they would come to you. Lord, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit of God would not us, let us leave here the same way we came in. Lord, would you have your way this morning? May we see miracles happen today of salvation. No way in the world anybody could be saved today on their own. That's a miracle from God. I'm praying for miracles today. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand together?